As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello and welcome into At The Yard. I'm Corey Seidman, joined by Jim Salisbury, and we're brought to you by the 2019 Humana Rock and Roll Philadelphia Half Marathon. A lot to talk about on today's podcast. The Phillies making a change on their coaching staff, getting rid of hitting coach John Maley, and bringing back Charlie Manuel. We're also going to talk about some of the um, good signs and bad signs that were seen on the Phillies' West Coast trip, which was not a successful West Coast trip. But, Jim, we have to start with the news of the day, which is John Maley being let go as the Phillies' hitting coach and Charlie Manuel uh, being his replacement. Just your overall impression of that move, and did you – you know, at any point foresee that Charlie Manuel could be the short-term solution if the Phillies were to have made a move? Well, I'm not surprised that they made a move on the coaching staff. Uh, Coming off that last West Coast trip, uh, which was dreadful, really in all phases of the game, uh, with an off day on Monday, I, 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 you know, those situations just tell you they scream for a change. And, you know, I'd heard they'd talked about some moves for a while. And if you look at what happened on that trip, um, you know, epidemic of leaving runners on base, um, poor performance with runners in scoring position. They're one hit one night. They're three hit one night. They go two and five. Reese Hoskins goes two for 24 without an RBI with just one RBI all month. Gabe Kapler is desperately shuffling the lineup. And I would use that word desperate again uh, with the um, with the coaching staff, hitting coach change, and Charlie going in there. It's a desperate move. To um, with 44 games left to try to save the season and maybe squeak into the playoffs. Um, if you have watched this team recently, really since the All-Star break, they uh, have had a lot of trouble with runners in scoring position, and that just tells you how much they're pressing um, at the plate. Uh, I think they have too many things rolling around their head. <laughs> um, and Charlie Manuel is a guy that's always preached, you know, you have to be – relaxed you have to be free and easy you have to be tension free and clear-minded to hit and in a lot of ways I mean it's not opposite of what this uh the John Maley regime and really the organization up and down preaches but you know they do uh hit these guys with a lot of data uh, a lot of game planning on the offensive side and I think sometimes that leads to some paralysis by analysis so in some ways it's a complete opposite uh, approach, as I said, tension-free, um, free and easy, clear-minded, comfort at the plate. Uh, so I kind of see it as that, that they're trying to take a group of hitters and, and put them at ease for 44 games, um, stop them from pressing. And, you know, Charlie is the guy that can do that because, like I said, you know, his approach, the things he stresses, the personality he has, he's familiar with these guys, still in the organization, works with a lot of hitters. I think he watches almost every game. He's around at a lot of home games. Um, not surprised at the move and not surprised Charlie's in there for a quick 44-game spurt to see if he can wake this offense up. So, okay, to, to go along with that, do you think that there's actually going to be some sort of philosophical shift here over the final 40-plus games? The reason I ask is because when we first saw the news that Charlie was replacing Maley, you know, my first thought is, 
Manuel's already in the organization. Who knows more about hitting than Charlie Manuel? It just screams short-term move to me, almost like let's just slide this guy in. But, you know, from what you just said, do, do you foresee that the Phillies could be kind of going away from the philosophies or the practices that they've been teaching, spent most of the last two seasons teaching? I mean, that's a really multi-layered question because they're teaching that those philosophies all the way down to A-ball. Kids are coming into the system, and they're teaching them that way. They restructured their minor league hitting staff last year, hired a bunch of like-minded coaches that are, yeah, we're all kind of teaching the same philosophies as John Maley. So I don't think there'll be a shift up and down the organization unless, unless, you know, ownership steps back after the season and decides they need a more of an, uh, dramatic change in the organization. Unless they clean house in the front office, then possibly you could see some type of a, uh, a shift in the overall organizational approach. Um, zeroing in at the big league level, I think, believe it or not, we've already seen a teeny bit of an, um, a shift in approach, uh, albeit, I think, temporary. Uh, but, you know, you have Kapler a few weeks ago saying we need to hunt more fastballs early in the count. Um, that was very interesting to hear him say. Uh, and then most recently, before Sunday night's game in uh, L.A., I'm sorry, in San Francisco, he said, uh, you know, we're not giving these guys any data today. We're not feeding their heads, uh, filling their heads full of a bunch, bunch of data and info. We want them to be relaxed. We want them to be athletic. We want them to react and let their natural uh, hitting athletics, uh, athleticism come out. Um, that sounded like a little bit of a temporary shift in approach. Uh, they went out and actually got 10 hits that night, losing, uh, you know, the late, late in that game. Jake Arrieta gave up a lead early, and then the bullpen um, imploded late. But, so I think we've seen some shifts in philosophy uh, at least at the big league level, uh, but I'm not sure they're going to be long-term. I think right now my take is they're probably for 44 games to try to wake up uh, Reese Hoskins and try to get Bryce Harper going and try to get JT Romuto going and try to relax a team that just seems to be putting a lot of pressure on itself. The actual like philosophies that the Phillies have enacted offensively the last two years, it's not as if it's unique around the league. You see a lot of teams that want to hit the ball in the air, hit the ball hard, not on the ground. It's just that it just seems that the Phillies haven't had the personnel over this two-year span to really effectively do that. And you look at all these numbers since the All-Star break, the offense is only getting worse. You know, uh, for a long time here, the last two, three months, there's been a portion of people that watch and follow the Phillies closely who thought that this team was on the cusp of making a run or had at least maybe one run in it, but the performance has only gotten worse. I mean, this team ranks 26th or worse in the major since the All-Star break in batting average, OPS, extra base hits, and runs scored. So to your point, it was almost like a change needed to come. Do you think that there are any other changes to the coaching staff that could be coming? Because this, look, let's face it, this pitching staff has been almost as disappointing as the offense. Yeah, I think it's a possibility that they make a change uh, in their pitching coaching staff. I mean, um, you know, they, they, they uh, let's face it, they ran off a really good one in Rick, Rick Kranitz, who's now steaming toward the postseason uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Um, they had Chris Young move into the role. He has a lot of shared philosophies with the front office, with the R&D department, and with the manager. Um, but, you know, I think he's uh, under the microscope as well here. Um, they have an assistant, Dave Lundquist, who is very familiar with these guys from the minor leagues. And I notice more and more that more he's working uh, with a lot of these pitchers on some of the mechanical things. So, uh, not sure if there's going to be a change there. 
but I think there, there, there could be. Uh, I think there's questions about um, how Chris Young is connected with some of the staff. So that's something you, um, I think, is worth keeping an eye on. Jim, one of the players that you mentioned in particular there when talking about uh, the, the slumping offense out west was Reese Hoskins, who really has been in a brutal slump here over the last month or so, and particularly over the last two weeks. His last 15 games, Hoskins is 7 for 56, hitting 125 with a 279 on base percentage. In the article that you wrote at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, you mentioned how Charlie Manuel had, had, you know, had his experience with Hoskins on Hoskins' run-up to the major league level. Do you think that there's anything in particular that Charlie can unlock in, in Reese Hoskins? Because we've seen a guy who, for much of this season, has been extremely passive at the plate. I know he has the home run total in the low 20s, and he's driven in a good deal of runs, but it just still feels like there's a little bit more that Reese Hoskins can give the Phillies from a power perspective. Yeah, Charlie. one of Charlie's big things, uh, in addition to being clear-minded, free and easy, and relaxed at the plate, is uh, you know, you know, don't miss that first good one to hit. Uh, be ready to hit. Those are things Charlie always um, has stressed and preached. And you know, I think he will stress those things to Hoskins. I mean, you mentioned sometimes he looks a little passive, and, and, and there are times he does. And um, you know, lately, an awful lot of infield pop-ups, including one with the bases loaded, uh, Sunday night in San Francisco. So I think Reese Hoskins uh, could benefit from Charlie's counsel and Charlie's wisdom and his kind of the way he can put people at ease, put hitters at ease, and, and get them believing in him, themselves. Charlie's a master. One of Charlie's big strengths is building confidence. I mean, he's not a huge tinkerer with mechanics. He loves to talk hitting, and he likes to make you believe you're uh, a Hall of Famer and, and uh, build your confidence. And so I think that could ultimately help Reese Hoskins. But I think he will stress to Reese, go up there, be ready to hit, don't miss the first good one. Jim, is it reading too much into it, or is it off base to kind of look at the addition of Charlie to the staff as almost like adding a chaperone to Gabe Kapler's coaching staff? Uh, I don't know. I don't think Charlie is going to go in it like that. He's a – you know, Charlie um, – you know, he's, he's the baseball equivalent of a gym rat. And – more precisely, he's a batting cage rat. Um, so I don't think he's going to be there to chaperone the staff. I mean, you know, I mean, it's Gabe's staff. He's got to chaperone his staff. If there's a problem with him chaperoning his staff, he shouldn't be the guy. Um, you know, you have Rob Thompson as your bench coach, um, one of the best lieutenants in all of baseball. So I don't look at Charlie as chaperoning. I think uh, Charlie had his time as manager. Um, you know, I, I don't think he wants to manage this team and, he has his legacy as a manager. He's a Philly. He loves the Phillies. And he's going in there for 44 games to try to help them salvage something and play a game or two in October. That's what he's doing. Now, if it happens and these guys take off and they come at him and say, Charlie, boy, you know, we'd like to have you another year in that hitting coach role. Well, money talks. We'll see what happens. But I don't think he's coming in there as a chaperone. I think he's coming in there. Um, look, Gabe Kapler's, um, he's, he's shaken up his lineup. He's used, used Harper, leadoff, anything to get a spark offensively. And I think this is just another example. And I just, you know, I can't emphasize enough. This is a team that is pressed offensively. And Charlie's a guy who has great experience putting hitters at ease and building their confidence. And I think that's part of it, big part of it. Hey, circling back to the pitching staff and the decision to replace Rick Kranitz with Chris Young, not that the Phillies would say this publicly, but do you think that's a move that they regret? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know uh, if they regret it. I mean, if you look at the performance, uh, I would think possibly. Um, but, you know, I don't know if they'd ever admit it. Um, you know, one of this team's big downfalls this year, let, let's look at a lot of the downfalls. They lost Andrew McCutcheon. Really, really hurt. They had injuries in the bullpen. Really, really hurt. Um, but, you know, one of the big things, and they've had underperformance in the lineup, has really, really hurt them. But one of the big things I think has really hurt them is no one, you know, you had Nola and Arietta coming into the season, and then you had four guys that you needed, you needed two of them to step up in filling three spots, and none of them really have. Velasquez, Pavetta, Eflin, Eikhoff. I mean, each one of them has had turns in the rotation, significant turns in the rotation. Each one of them has been bounced to the bullpen at various times. So and essentially failed to hang on to that job in the rotation. I see that as one of this team's big failures. And, you know, you have to dig deeper and just say, you know, why did the team think that they were all set in pitching with those guys? Uh, who was predicting that, that all these guys would step forward and no one did? I mean, where, where was the, the misevaluation? Where did that occur? And who's accountable for that? Uh, they knew they needed pitching. They knew they needed pitching. They went after Patrick Corbin. They made him an offer. It came up short. Um, five years as opposed to six years in Washington. And I don't say I blame them for not going six. I think those are very risky contracts. They tried to get Jay Happ. Hasn't pitched all that well in New York. Maybe it was a stroke of luck. But the fact of the matter is, um, after Aaron Nola, they don't have any starting pitching. Um, and that's been a big crippling blow to this team. And that's still going to be the case, you know, this offseason going into 2020. Who's going to pitch for this team next year? Who's gonna, they need four pitchers, and no one ever gets through a season with five pitchers. Right. So they really need seven or eight. Who the heck is going to pitch for this team next year? I mean, you can obviously – the fact that Jake Arrieta is under contract, you would figure that he would be back. Okay. Uh, there's the, okay. He, is he going to be better? Is he, you know, well, he'll have surgery. Well, but maybe he'll be better. Let, let's, he'll be a year older. We let, don't know. Let's talk about that right now because Jake Arrieta, it almost seems like it might be time to pull the plug on this experiment of him put, pitching through the bone spur. It's just totally unreliable start to start. You saw over the weekend in San Francisco, the Phillies staked him a three-run lead, and he gave it all back right away. Uh, does it in the performance that you've seen up close? Does it seem like Arrieta has been? Just different start to start. Does it seem like he's he's been able to gain any sort of momentum, or do the Phillies have to make a switch here? You know, two starts ago in uh, Arizona, he was okay. Last start in um, San Francisco, he was not. Didn't have anything in terms of an off-speed pitch. He has to rely on that sinker, and it's ninety-one, and he's not getting that good finish where he can really locate it and get a ton of movement on it. Because when you have pain in your elbow, you just can't get out there and finish and get all that good movement. Um, so, um, I, I asked, I asked him after every start, how did you feel? Do you want to keep going? Uh, because when this was first revealed, he said, he's going to go as long as he can. If it bothers him too much or he's hurting the team, he's going to shut it down and take care of the surgery. So I asked him after every start, how do you feel? Asked, and, and, and are you going to keep going? And I asked him in San Francisco, how did you feel? And he said, it hurts. It hurts all the time. And I said, are you going to keep going? And he said, um, I don't think I can make that decision right here in this moment, uh, but we're going to have to have a conversation about it uh, early in the week, so meaning yesterday or today. So uh, is it time for him to shut down? You know, I don't know. I, I would say if he has one more tough one, probably. Um, but, you know, we could get more news on that as soon as the next few hours. 
We could, and just a reminder, the At The Yard is brought to you by the 2019 Humana Rock and Roll Philadelphia Half Marathon. Rock your way through the city of brotherly love at the Rock and Roll Half Marathon on September 15th. With a half marathon, 5K, and all-new 7.6K, there's a distance for everyone. A flat, fast course through the heart of center seat... Yeah. A flat, fast course, easy for me to say, through the heart of Center City featuring live brands and an epic finish line in front of the iconic Rocky Steps. Sign up today at runrockandroll.com. So, Jim, we kind of touched on the fact that this team's really going to need starting pitching going into the next season. One potential free agent is Cole Hamels, who's going to be in town this week to pitch against the Phillies. His first start back at CBP since being traded to the Rangers some time ago. What do you think of a potential reunion there? I mean, is there any life to it, or is it just kind of Phillies fans looking and, and thinking optimistically and thinking of what might be a heartwarming story? Because the reason I ask is that after Garrett Cole, the starting pitching market this offseason takes a precipitous drop-off. It's like Garrett Cole and Bumgarner at the top, and then after that, Hamels might be the next best option. I think there's a real possibility to it, and there's been a real possibility to it for a while. Um, ownership has long had a desire to see him finish his career here. And he has had a long desire to finish his career here. Uh, he's always paid deference to uh, the team he's with, the Cubs. But I spoke to him about this very topic on about May 23rd in Chicago, in uh, Wrigley Field. And he flat out said he'd be open to it. Um, I think it would be almost like a, you know, almost like a storybook way to put a bow on, on, on a career. So I think it's a very real possibility. They need pitching help. They could probably use his leadership uh, and will to win. I think he'd have a lot of benefits. Um, but, you know, the question is, how much are you going to have to sink into him? How many years is it going to take? Because he's going to pitch at 36 next year. And, you know, we've seen it. Older pitchers eventually wear out. And eventually Cole Hamels is going to throw his last pitch. So you have to balance um, where he is in his career with what type of investment is going to it's going to take. I don't think you can let sentiment and storybook uh, rule the day on this on this decision. But uh, I think he'd be an intriguing option. I'm sure. Uh, gosh, I, I think the Phillies would probably be his first choice if something uh, if they could work out something. Um, but you know, again, we'll see. Thirty six. What's it going to cost? Um, but, you know, it would be certainly an intriguing addition. He'd be open to it. He's talked about it. He's admitted it. Um, you know, he flat out admitted it in May. He'd be very interested in some type of a reunion. So we'll see. Yeah, there just aren't so many avenues to improvement in the starting rotation. You know, the, the, the starting pitching market, you have a lot of number three, t- number three type starters. My assessment of it, looking at it, the Phillies made a very impactful trade last offseason, acquiring JT Real Muto, giving up Sixto Sanchez in that deal. It would seem like that would preclude them somewhat for making another sell-the-farm type trade this offseason, considering how many pieces they still need. Uh, Do you think that they could explore? I mean, I know that they're always exploring everything, but do you think they could strongly consider making a trade, or would free agency seem to be the more logical way to improve this rotation? Uh, you know, I think they'll they'll explore everything. Um, I, you know, I don't know that they're going to be out there for Garrett Cole and the money it's going to take him, to get him and the commitment and years it's going to take him after just, you know, making that major commitment to Bryce Harper, uh, that record-setting commitment to Bryce Harper, uh, and uh, the fact that they, you know, still would like to extend Real Muto, and I think that could end up being their big expenditure this winter. Uh, then there's also the luxury tax, which they'll start creeping up against. But I think they'll 
explore all avenues uh, and, and be open to uh, a trade. They'll have some untouchables at some point. They need to get some, some in-house young pitchers here. We need to take a look at them. Um, and maybe they click and maybe they don't. But certainly think you could see Spencer Howard at some point next year. Who knows, maybe we see him in September. I don't know. Um, he certainly has uh, an intriguing package. But if uh, you think he's going to walk in here and win 20 right out of the gate, you know, you just, you know, you're not paying attention. I mean, he's – all young pitchers have growing pains. You know, very few don't. So – uh, you know, if he if he's in the rotation at some point next year, I don't think he can immediately say, "All right, we got our guy right behind Nola for for 33 starts." And the other thing is, all their young pitchers are on innings limits. So if he comes next year, he's going to be on some type of an in- innings limit. Um, so that's another factor. So I don't know where they're going to get this pitching from. They're going to have to be creative. Um, it. It it sickens me a little bit that Zach Eflin. To, I watched Zach Eflin warm up in the bullpen the other night in San Francisco, and I'm looking out there and I see this classic pitcher's body, and he's pitching out of the bullpen. I mean, why hasn't it clicked for that guy? It needs to click for that guy, um, and they need some of these you know guys to click eventually. They haven't done it, and it's getting close. To, you know, they already seem to be Pavetta's. You know, they're trying the bullpen there, and they're trying the bullpen with Eflin. It's just. You need some of your in-house guys to click, and these guys haven't, and you need that next generation to start clicking here at some point. They need to develop some pitching, but they're going to have to bring in some from out of the system as well because, like I said, who's going to pitch for this team next year? They have one dependable starter. Yeah, it's like you just need maybe at least one of those guys to pan out and then go from there. Uh, the Nick Pavetta bullpen experiment, it's been up and down. There are some nights he's looked electric. There are some nights he's looked very hittable and shaky in that role. Vince Velasquez, it's... It's hard to be sucked in based on a couple good starts from Vince Velasquez because every year of his Phillies career, he's kind of tricked us into thinking that he may have turned a corner and he hasn't been able to sustain it. So, yes, legitimate improvements need to be made. And, and really offensively, unless guys like Harper, Real Muto, Segura just have massive turnarounds late this season into next year, this team's also going to need a little more offense to be a legit contender. But when you look around the diamond – I don't know what position that improvement would be coming at because you figure Andrew McCutcheon would be returning to left field. Uh, Scott Kingery perhaps could be playing second base as soon as next year in place of Cesar Hernandez. And then perhaps Alec Bohm, the top prospect, comes up and plays third base. But, like, where else would the Phillies make some sort of offensive improvement? Could it be center field? Uh, they might have room for, yeah, center field. Um, maybe third base if they deem Bohm needs more time. Uh, it would be great to get, you know, a guy like a Donaldson who could play third and move over to first, but you have a first baseman you're committed to. Uh, but what, what I'm saying is play third and move over to right. first as Bohm graduates. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they need a little bit of everything, don't they? Yes, and they need yeah. – in my opinion, they just need a different dynamic in the lineup. Like, you need – Gene Segura is the one hitter in this lineup. I guess you could say Cesar Hernandez as well, but he hits toward the bottom of the order and he's so streaky. But the Phillies need a consistent like 290 to 310 hitter to go in the middle of all these guys who walk and hit for power because the biggest glaring issue that I've seen offensively is that this team walks a lot. Like they walked eight, nine times, I think it was on Sunday, um, or that might have been Saturday, one of the games in San Francisco. But infrequently do they really cash in those walks because they haven't hit enough two and three run homers this season and they haven't been able to spray the ball around the field with runners in scoring position so it's like that skill set seems to be lacking from this offense yeah they 
they need a bat, but they also need the guys they have to get better. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's return, if he's the same guy, should help, but he's going to be a year older. Um, you know, they, they just, you know, you wonder about Bryce Harper if, if you know, changing teams and uh, there's no question he's put a lot of pressure on himself. I, I, you know, I can see it. Uh, that swing is so big some nights that everything in his lower half moves and then his head moves. He just needs to kind of chill and look in the mirror and say, you know, I was a good player, and um, before I got here, I don't need to prove it so hard. Just go out and be it, you know. Let it happen. And so he might be better next year. I, I would almost bank on that. But wouldn't you think that if Harper like had that in his DNA to have that internal conversation that he would have had it already? I'm sure he has, but, you know, we're not in his shoes, and uh, he's a human being, and sometimes sometimes it's easier said than done. But I do see a guy I think is just trying to do too much, trying to, uh, trying, trying too hard, and that doesn't really work in baseball. And I would imagine that's the first thing he's going to hear from Charlie Manuel. I'd also pretty confident he's heard it from a lot of people over the years because it's not an uncommon philosophy, you know. Um, relax and sort of let it all happen, especially when you're that good. So um, it, we're we're, all, we're kind of basically, you know, making the point here that there's been underperformance and underachievement up and down the up and down the lineup, and there really has. It looked like Scott Kingery was you know breaking out a little bit, but he had a very difficult stretch in, in the leadoff hole. Um, maybe the the one thing you know they have going from a lot of these guys are young uh, and and still getting better. Uh, including Hoskins. They they really need Reese Hoskins to, to be the hitter uh, that they think he can be, that he has been in the past. So we'll see. Yeah, I th- one of the things that really adds salt to the wound for Phillies fans is that they are seeing Carlos Santana out in Cleveland just pick up big hit after big hit. He had a walk-off home run earlier yeah. in the week, and if you look at his offensive numbers, he has significantly outperformed both Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. Like, imagine someone saying that to you before the season, that Carlos Santana was going to have you know, a, a better 2019 and I would make the point, he looks a lot more relaxed. He, he signed a big contract here, might have been trying to do too much. I will tell you this, I talked to him at the All-Star game. He said he got pull happy in Philadelphia. And what is it when you pull happy? You're trying to hit home runs? That's a form of trying too hard, getting out of your game. And uh, he's back where he spent his entire career. He's obviously in a comfortable environment. And he's, he's the hitter. He's having a career year, but um, he was always a pretty good hitter. I, hey, I'm not going to – I liked the signing when they made it. And I thought he he did a lot of good things last year. Um, two more hits a month, and he hits 250. He had a little bit of a down year. Guys have down years. Uh, he hit into a lot of bad luck. I mean, that's in the math. You can look it up. You can find it. Uh, I thought he was a better pickup than people give him credit for. Uh, and I don't blame Matt Klintak one bit for giving it a try, to try to add another bat to your lineup, roll the dice that Reese Hoskins can play left field. It didn't work. But you know what? It doesn't mean there wasn't sound thinking behind it uh, in a way to, as a way to lengthen your lineup. And uh, it just didn't work, and they moved on. But you know what? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I'll take a GM that tries some different things. And this organization is trying something different now with the um, replacement of John Maley with Charlie Manuel, and we'll see if other coaching moves are to come. Jim, thanks so much for all your analysis on this uh, busy news day for the Phillies. All right, it's hitting season. Sure is. We're back to hitting season. Thanks. That's going to wrap up this edition of At the Yard. For Jim Salisbury, I'm Corey Seidman. We'll talk to you later in the week.
Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.